G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss now for over a year. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what that journey has been like. I also wanted to give you some information about intermittent fasting, talk to people that are doing it, and bring in some experts in the field, including some leading authors of some great books about the subject. Talk about the highs, the lows, the triumphs, the celebrations, the negatives, the positives, and everything in between. Nothing is a silver bullet, as they say, but intermittent fasting is about the closest thing that you can get to a perfect health plan with a side effect of weight loss. So sit back in the next few weeks and enjoy life on the fasting highway with us. Thank you. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. This is episode 23. So today I'm here with the very inspiring Paige Davidson, and Paige is from Lexington in Kentucky in the United States. And Paige is celebrating the release of her book this week, and her book's called Fast with Paige, Health and Healing Practices for Forever Freedom, that she's co-written with unbelievable freedom owner Kim Smith. And Paige's weight loss and transformation is simply stunning for those that have seen it. And she's been on quite a remarkable journey. So here to tell us all about that journey and also her business, which she does some intermittent fasting coaching, is a very engaging and inspiring Paige Davidson. Oh, g'day, Paige, and welcome to the Fasting Highway. And thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Graham. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, that's great. So, Paige, what we like to do here on the Fasting Highway, if we could get some of your backstory and a bit about leading up to when you found intermittent fasting and how you found out about it. Okay. I grew up in a household where we just lived diet culture. My mother was obese and her whole side of her family was obese. And and I mean morbidly obese. It's, you know, it was very obvious when you look at her family, every single person was very large. My mom was probably one of the smallest and, and she was had a lot of weight she needed to lose. So my earliest memories were of my mom going to Weight Watchers every week. I think when Weight Watchers came to Lexington in 1963, she was one of the original members. So as a child, I was not large. I was a very normal size, but my mother knew me and uh, my mother knew that I loved to eat. And, you know, my sisters didn't ever get excited about food, but I did. And I think that made mom nervous because she could see that tendency in me and she did not want me to walk the same path she had walked on. So she sort of was, um, very cautious with me. She would caution me about eating, you know, the right food, not eating that I would get fat. So I I had that a lot growing up. And then when I started, if not middle school, for sure, high school, mom had me go with her to Weight Watchers to to lose weight. And looking back, I I was not really overweight, but I think she had such a fear it was going to happen I I sort of learned from early on that if you want to lose weight, you have to go somewhere. You know, somebody has to fix you. So 
as I as I got older, when I got married and, and had children, that's when I really did start gaining weight and, and became obese and eventually morbidly obese. And for years and years and years, I went to different weight loss places, um, every commercial weight loss place you can think of, I went to. And I would go, I would lose a little bit of weight, I would hang on as long as I could, but then it was never sustainable. And I would quit and gain that weight back plus more. And eventually I found myself at 315 pounds and just panicked and had weight loss surgery in 2000. And that was successful for a while. It took me about a year and a half to lose 150 pounds. And I kept that off for about four years. And then I sort of started that slow regain. And at the time they said, you know, we can operate on your stomach, but we can't operate on your brain. But there was no explanation of what that meant. I had no idea. You know, I kind of knew I was supposed to change my thinking. I didn't know how to change my thinking. And it wasn't until I discovered intermittent fasting that I started to learn all of those things. I learned about intermittent fasting from my sister. Um, at the time, I, I was about up almost to back up to 250 pounds. This was last year. And I had terrible pain with my feet. I had plantar fasciitis and I had Achilles tendonitis at the same time and I was limping. And my sister told me about intermittent fasting, which I had never heard of. And I said, what is that? And by that point in my life, I was over diets. I had said, I will never do another diet. I knew I had to do something, but I didn't know what it was, but it was not going to be a diet. So she described, I said, nope, nope, hold it right there. I don't want to hear it. That sounds crazy. And it sounds like a fad diet and I'm not doing it. And she said, well, just research it. It's not a fad diet. It's not even a diet, but research it because it does heal inflammation. So I researched it. I found Jen's book, read that, and I went from there. Yep. So you're talking about Jen Stevens there and the uh, Delay Don't Deny book, I guess you're referring to? Exactly. Okay. So when you first started, uh, Paige, what was your fasting protocol and how did you actually choose that? Well, <laughs> Graham, I was kind of crazy. I didn't know anybody who was doing intermittent fasting and I didn't know about the Facebook support groups yet. So I was really all out, you know, on my own, except for the information that I got from Delay Don't Deny, which was incredibly helpful. But from the book, I got that what I took from it um, in that desperate place that I was in was that a four hour eating window is really what's going to produce the most um, healing because I was very skeptical about losing weight. Um, I told my sister, I'm going to try this, but I, I made sure I was clear. I'm not doing this to lose weight. I'm doing this to reduce my heat, to heal my, my feet and my pain. So I thought, okay, I need the most autophagy possible. I need to do a 20 hour fast. Well, I knew I probably couldn't just immediately do a 20-hour fast. So I, I started with a 19-hour fast. <laughs> That's not too far off, is it? No. So at the start, were you clean fasting right from the start, Paige? Immediately. I have never fasted any way but clean. And I have never 
had a fast since June 19th of 2019 to today that was not clean. Yeah, and could you just explain for people out there that may be listening uh, that are fairly new or they're thinking about taking up uh, intermittent fasting, why the clean fast is so important? The clean fast is so important because our whole purpose is to keep insulin in our bodies as low as possible for as long as possible. And when you take in any type of flavor or um, if your, your brain perceives sweetness or creaminess or, or food in any, any way, it may, it, if you drink a zero calorie diet Coke, there's no calories in that. And I've had people try to argue with me that you should be able to drink diet Coke. It's zero calories. But your brain perceives that sweetness. It still tastes sweet. And your brain doesn't know it's zero calories. And so your brain produces that insulin release as soon as it tastes that sweetness. So as soon as you take in any kind of flavor, you produce insulin and you've broken your fast. Yeah. So what we're talking about there is black tea, black coffee, plain water or plain sparkling water and that's really it and outside of that if you're doing anything else you're not fasting really are you Paige? No some people want to say they dirty fast and have a little bit of cream but that's a fallacy there's no such thing as dirty fasting either you're fasting clean or you're in your eating window if you take in anything that your brain perceives as food you are then in your eating window Yep. So Paige, if you don't mind sharing, when you exactly first started intermittent fasting, what, what was your weight looking like then? I was at 249. 249. Okay. Yes. And how soon did you start seeing some good results on the scale? I started losing immediately. And I know that um, I'm a person, especially when I'm very overweight, I can hold a lot of fluid. So my very first week, I lost 10 pounds, and I knew that that was fluid. It was still exciting to see 10 pounds gone from the scale, <laughs> and I weighed to, to keep up with my weight, and I wanted to see what I was doing. But, you know, for, it, for quite a while, I wasn't really too concerned about losing because my experience had been, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to lose weight, then I'm going to quit doing this, and I'll gain it back. So I, I couldn't get too excited about it. Yeah. And with Wayne, what's your take on Wayne, Paige? Did you weigh every day from the start when you first started IF? I did because Jen recommended it. And I did exactly what Jen recommended. I weighed every day. I wrote my weight down. And then every week I took an average. And I looked yep. just at my weekly averages to see how I was doing. I will say that I'm a person that the scale really does kind of freak me out. And yeah. there came a point when I was so anxious over the scale, when I was close to getting under 200, I was on a plateau at about 206. And I wanted under 200 so badly that I just got so anxious because I couldn't get off of that plateau and it was affecting my eating. And I, at that point, I said, you know what? I've got to break up with the scales, at least for a while. So I didn't weigh again for about a month. And I felt so much better. I was at peace. I wasn't worried about it. I, I just, I ate in my window. I ate what I wanted. I clean fasted. And then when I did 
think, well, maybe I'll check in after about a month. I was at, at 196. Yeah, what a great feeling that must have been. Yeah, I was excited. Yeah. And so with, what about appetite correction, Paige? We talk about appetite correction. How soon did that come for you? It didn't come immediately. It didn't come for several months. And at first I was actually kind of worried about myself because, you know, when you st I didn't give myself time to grow into a longer fast. I was so desperate to get out of pain. I jumped right into a 19 hour fast and then immediately into a 20 hour fast. And in her book, Jen Stevens said that her sweet spot, as I remember, was like four to eight. And I still had diet brain, Graham, at that time. And I thought, okay, four to eight, that's what works. That's what I have to do. So I made that my window, but it was never easy for me. It was really hard for me not to eat anything until four in the afternoon. And so by the time I ate, I was so hungry. And even when I got physically used to it, mentally, it was hard for me not to eat until four in the afternoon. Yeah. So, so I, I kept that window for months and months. And I didn't understand what Jen said when she said, tweak it till it's easy. I didn't really understand what that meant until I had a lunch date with a, a friend. She couldn't go to dinner so I was going to have to do a different window. And I was upset about that because, I, like I said, I still had diet brain. I had very rigid thinking. My window was four to eight, period. But on this particular day, I was going to have to do an afternoon window. So I resigned myself to it. And I discovered that I loved having an afternoon window. And I, yeah. I changed my window to the afternoon, and it has been much, much, much easier since. Yep. And so just with the appetite correction page, could you just explain to people what appetite correction is? Appetite correction is when you, your body gets used to what you're doing. You do not want as much to eat. You kind of tend to crave healthier foods. Um, a lot of people find that two things after you've been doing intermittent fasting for a while, you start to want to eat less. You're able to eat less. I find that I, my husband teases me because I'm always bringing home half of my dinner whenever we go out. And that never used to happen, but I'll, I'll get full. And I recognize that I'm full and, and I don't want to eat anymore. So you just, your appetite corrects itself to where you're eating what your body needs and then your body's telling you it's had enough and you learn to recognize those sig signals and you're finished. Yeah, and that's really, I think, is the game changer with intermittent fasting. Once you actually discover that and you get to that point in your window where you reach that satiety point and you just stop and it's almost an automatic signal after a while, isn't it? You just get that sigh, so to speak. And it's really important not to try and continue to eat through that and I think a lot of people make a mistake if they're doing a four-hour window or a two-hour window. They think that they could just continue to eat for those two or four hours. Do you find that, Paige? I did at first. I thought, you know, this is my window, and I'm eating this particular thing, and it is so good. And I only get to eat during this window. And, yes, I feel like I could stop now, but, but it tastes so good, and I want to finish it, and I'm in my window. It took a while for me to get over that thinking. And to understand that, you know, I wanted to eat what I wanted 
And then when I felt satisfied, stop. So that just takes some time and some practice. Yeah, it does. And so what was the moment in your journey when you were convinced that intermittent fasting was so different to everything else you tried and that you wanted to commit it, commit to it for the rest of your life? Well, I can pretty specifically pinpoint that. I started last June, about the middle of the month. And as I said, I started with a 19 and immediately went to a four hour fast and I did it to heal that inflammation. Within two weeks, Graham, of starting intermittent fasting, my pain had subsided to the point where I wasn't limping anymore. I thought that was a miracle, just a miracle. I still did have a lot of pain in my feet, but just the fact that I could walk normally, I saw progress. That meant so much more to me than anything the scale could have said at that time. And um, by September, I still had foot pain. It was lessening very, very slowly. But I was so anxious to be out of pain. I thought, you know, I'm going to add in one long fast per week. So I did. I added in one 43-hour fast per week. And by mid-November, I was 100% pain-free. But wow. I also had lost over 50 pounds. And it was at that time I thought, you know, this really is not a diet. This really is just a way to live my life. And I knew that no diet before had ever been sustainable. So, of course, it couldn't become a lifestyle if I couldn't sustain it. This is the first thing I had ever done, any way to eat at all, that, that was sustainable. And I realized it. And that's when I knew that this is it for me. This is, this is how I will always eat. So we talk about the NSVs, the non-scale victories, and also the health benefits, a couple you mentioned there. Can you list sort of some others that you found, like the mental clarity and renewed energy, that sort of thing? Oh, absolutely. Those two for sure. The mental clarity and the energy was just amazing. And I think that, you know, I kind of gained weight slowly and I, I lived in a constant state of exhaustion before I lost weight. But it, it had become my new normal. That was just what was normal. I didn't really remember feeling any differently. And after I'd lost, you know, sooner than 50 pounds, quite a bit sooner than 50 pounds, I just really had so much more energy. Um, so the energy was amazing. The mental clarity was great. My plantar fasciitis and my Achilles tendonitis were both healed by mid-November of last year. I no longer have obstructive sleep apnea. I don't have to sleep with the CPAP machine anymore, which I hated. So I'm so happy about that. Yeah, and it's really important to let people know that these health benefits are so much more important than the actual weight loss. And for me, Paige, um, I lost a lot of weight, as you know, uh, 132 pounds, but the health benefits that came from intermittent fasting for me were far more thrilling. Do you feel like that? Yes, and, and I tell people that, you know, I tell people all the time that the weight that I lost, nobody's more happy than me that I lost 110 pounds. But that is so overshadowed by all of my health gains and my health benefits 
all of my numbers, my, my blood glucose and my blood pressure and my BMI and my weight and, you know, all of those cholesterol, all of those things are perfect. That has never happened before. My NSVs, I keep a running list of my NSVs because, you know, the, the scale is fickle, I think. And sometimes it just, it, you know, it goes up and down and, and you can be up on the scale, but your clothes are fitting beautifully. And so I think that personally, I think that the NSVs, that's the good stuff in life. And I always keep this running list and it's like a page and a half so far filled. Just, just run us uh, through a few of those, if you wouldn't mind, Paige. Sure. I've learned not to obsess about food. I've learned not to obsess about my weight. I have my figure back. I love to exercise. I crave and love healthier foods now. I save money not going through the drive-thru all the time. I've recovered from diet brain. I've learned self-love and positive self-talk. I could go on. I mean, I have a million of them. Could you just talk about which I think is very important, self-love, and why it's important to learn to love ourselves first? I always had heard people say, oh, you have, to, you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else, and you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. And I never really knew exactly what they meant because I thought, well, of course everybody loves themselves. I mean, I just didn't understand that, that at all. And I didn't understand it until I've gone through this experience of losing this weight and really finding myself. But you know, health has a lot to do with self-care and self-care has to do with self-love. You know, things like flossing your teeth every night, using moisturizer every night. Those are small little acts of self-love. That's, that's loving yourself enough to go to the work of doing what you need to do to take care of your body and your mind and your spirituality and your emotions. And you really have yeah. to love yourself enough to, to recognize what you need and what you need to do to take care of your needs and take care of yourself. And I really think that kind of gets to the essence of self-love. Yeah, it does. And for me, when I learned to love myself first, everything else started to change. And I learned how to love myself. I learned how to love everybody around me more. I learned how to talk to people better. I talked to myself better. I thought of myself better. And everything started to change. So we're just going to talk about your window now, Paige. What did that look like? And did you restrict anything or were you eating anything you craved? No, I didn't restrict anything. And part of the freedom that I found with intermittent fasting was that I didn't have to restrict any foods. I didn't cut out any food groups. I didn't have to weigh or measure or count macros or count calories. I mean, that to me, I'd spent my whole life doing all of those things except for when I wasn't doing those things. And then when I wasn't doing those things, I was just eating uncontrollably. So, you know, there was no balance in my life. I was either, you know, strictly on a diet thinking I had to be perfect um, or, or not. 
Yeah. And so for you, was there any downsides to intermittent fasting? It's hard to think of any. It was hard to get used to the first couple of weeks because I jumped in so intensely. So those first couple of weeks were pretty hard. Um, other than that, what was really harder for me was I was very inflexible. Um, to me, part of diet brain is being very rigid. Um, and I was still being very rigid in my thinking. And I thought, okay, my window is four to eight. I have to eat between four and eight and I can't change it. This is how it has to be. And, and that was hard because there were social events and family occasions that, you know, that four to eight did not fit with. So until yeah. I learned how to be flexible, it was a little bit hard to practice intermittent fasting because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any flexibility with my window. Now that I've learned to be flexible, I've really learned that flexibility is the key to sustainability. It's much easier. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. So with exercise, Paige, what was that looking like in your weight loss phase? I was not mentally ready to exercise or physically ready to exercise until I had been doing intermittent fasting um, from, let's see, from June till last December. I was pain free. I had lost 50 something pounds. I had so much more energy. And for the first time in maybe ever in my life, I actually really wanted to start exercising. But I couldn't really afford to go to a gym right at that time. Um, so I just thought, okay, I'm just going to walk. And I had walked in my, in my past. You know, I used to walk four miles a day and I would walk 15 minute miles. And I thought I probably can't get back to 15 minute miles, but I, I probably can work my way up to where I can, you know, walk pretty quickly. So... I had read a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it was about developing healthy new habits. And one of his suggestions was to pair an activity that you want to start a new habit with something that you love to do. I have a playlist of songs that I've downloaded from iTunes that I just love to listen to. So I thought, okay, I'm going to walk. I'm going to always listen to my music when I walk, no matter what. So I started at 20 minutes a day and I could have walked more, but I thought, no, I'm going to start with consistent 20 minutes every day. And that's how I started. And I slowly built up my time and I slowly built up my distance. And before I knew it, I was walking four to six miles a day and I walk about 16 to 16 and a half minute miles. Wow. And so how freeing was that for you after carrying so much weight and being able to do that? Oh, it just felt so wonderful. And at first, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know if I love walking, but that's the exercise that seems most reasonable for me to be able to do. And so at first, walking was just what I was doing while I was listening to my music. But then over time, I really learned to love the walking as well. And it just was so freeing to be able to get out and enjoy the beautiful weather. And when it wasn't good weather, I would I go to the mall and walk. So I always have options. Yeah, there's always an option. 
And did you find that you were walking when you were fully fasted? What sort of stage of the day were you doing your walk? Oh, my favorite walks are when I have done a long fasting day, when I haven't eaten at all. And I always, I always walk fasted. I, I found actually that I don't like to walk when I have eaten. When I have eaten, even if it's been a while since I've eaten, I just feel heavy and kind of just cumbersome and it's, it feels harder. I love to walk fasted. I, I have so much energy and I just feel really light on my feet and it feels amazing. Yeah. What about when you were heavy, Paige? Did you do much exercise? No, yet? no, not at all. I, I was a couch potato. I mean, I was known for sitting in my chair, watching TV, and that's pretty much all I did. Yeah, amazing how things change. Yes, isn't it? absolutely. Um, um, everything in my life is so different. And and again, I mean, not having that hundred and ten pounds on me physically makes a big difference. But it's it's all of these other changes, mental and physical and emotional, and you know, it just everything is so different. It's just total wellness that I experience now. Yeah, let's move into that page. The mental side of intermittent fasting is so important as we know and also the mindset can you tell us about some of the mindset changes that you have yeah i think about about um diet brain versus healthy thinking because when i my journey first started with me going to see a christian counselor because i had said no more diets this was even before i found intermittent fasting i said no more diets but i have to do something so I went to a, a counselor and I said, you know, I think there's some, there's something wrong with me for sure. Either I have an eating disorder or I have a food addiction or maybe I have OCD with food. There's something wrong with me and I've got to figure it out. And so through counseling and then through intermittent fasting, what I discovered was I didn't have any of those things. What I had was very disordered, unhealthy thinking. I had diet brain. And I had to figure out, you can't heal from diet brain if you don't recognize it, if you're not aware of it. So I became aware of it. So diet brain versus healthy thinking are things like diet brain is I want results immediately. I don't care if it took me 20 years to gain this weight. I want it all off now. I have to have big losses every week or I'm a failure. Healthy thinking is time is my friend. You know, I'm going to do intermittent fasting and I'm going to just, I'm just going to stay on that and I'll lose weight as my body's ready to lose weight. Um, diet brain thinking is thinking, you know, I have to be perfect at all times. I would do diets and I think I would have, to, I would think I had to be just perfect and nobody can be perfect, of course. So then when I couldn't be perfect, I think, well, I've blown it. I might as well eat everything I want now. And next Monday, I'll have to start again. But, you know, healthy thinking is, is knowing you make deliberate choices about what you want to eat. You own your choices. You enjoy whatever you've decided to have and you move on. Yeah. So what about friends and family uh, when you first started? What did people think about you doing intermittent fasting? How did you deal with that? My husband was a little bit concerned. I mean, he's he's very sweet and he's very, very supportive. So he was always supportive. 
but he was just a little bit unsure about it. He wasn't sure if it was healthy um, and good for me, but, but he was so wonderful to, to be supportive. And um, one of my sisters and her husband were already doing intermittent fasting and um, the same with my other sister. So I had, you know, I had some support at work. I didn't say too much about it because I had such a history of, you know, starting diets or trying to lose weight and then I would lose and then I would quit and I would gain it back. So I was just hesitant to say anything for a while, but then it didn't take long for people to start asking me what I was doing. And people I found were generally pretty supportive. Yeah, I think it's when they see those results and you obviously had some fantastic results. They start gravitating towards you and ask you what you're doing. And some people do say it's crazy and there is a lot of negatives as well. But how did you actually suggestions that you have to tell people how to deal with the negatives or the negative people? What do you say to that? Well, I think that probably the best thing I have found, and I didn't have that many, but, you know, somebody would ask me about it or why, or why I wasn't eating or if I was doing that starvation diet, you know, I would laugh it off and I would say, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not hungry right now. Or if somebody offered me a treat or something, I'd take it and say, that looks great. I'm going to have it later. And then just move on. Yeah, that's it. And so sharing intermittent fasting, if you had to sort of say to a you person and talk to them about intermittent fasting, how would you just explain it in a nutshell? Or there may be people out there listening right now that really want to get a solid explanation of what intermittent fasting is in general. Well, I would say the easiest way I think to explain it is just it has a lot to do with hormones in our body and insulin is one of those hormones. And insulin really is what causes obesity, not excessive calories or a lot of the things we've always learned about. So what we want to do is to keep that insulin as low as possible. So then I would explain a clean fast, which we've already talked about. You know, we know that it's just water, black coffee, plain black or green tea. Uh, explain that. Try to make it as simple as I can so that they, so yep. that they can kind of get the basics, get started with that clean fast eating only within their hours, whatever window they choose, and then go from there. I think making it as easy as possible is the best thing to do. What's some of the resources that you can suggest for people to check out intermittent fasting that you found useful? Well, of course, Delay Don't Deny was just really saved my life. And, and I think that Fast, Feast, Repeat, also by Jen Stevens, is, is absolutely necessary reading. It is such a broad base for everything intermittent fasting. So I, I have told so many people to get Delay, Don't Deny, and, and Fast, Feast, Repeat. I also really recommend AC, The Power of Appetite Correction by Dr. Bert Herring. And I also think, this is one of my personal favorites, that Atomic Habits by James Clear also saved my life because Jen Stevens taught me intermittent fasting. She taught me the process. She taught me how to do it correctly. 
and she explained it. So I understood what was happening. And in her new book, Fast yep. Feast Repeat, she has a great chapter on mindset and diet brain. James Clear also kind of saved my life because he helped me learn how to really extinguish some very bad, unhealthy habits and how to begin healthy new habits. And I think that what makes this sustainable is that we learn how to build healthy habits and routines because nobody feels motivated all the time. Nobody does. But if you have good, healthy habits, you do those actions every day, no matter what. When's the last time you said, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm in a mood to brush my teeth. I think I just won't brush my teeth today. Have you ever done that, Graham? Yeah, I, I have. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I think a lot of us are in such a habit of, you know, something as basic as brushing our teeth or taking a shower. You know, some of those things that you're in such a habit of doing, you don't even, it's not a decision. You don't even really think about it. That's just, those are just things you do. And so when you have really good, healthy habits, they, they become so ingrained in you that even if you don't feel like doing them, you still do them because that's just what you do. Yeah, and I think that's exactly fasting in a nutshell. That's what happens. You get to that point in your journey where I call it autopilot wellness. You don't even think about it. You just get up, you run your day, you fast, you eat in a window, and that's what you do. Right. But, Paige, I wanted to ask you also about online Facebook communities that you belong to and how important they were in your journey. And I call it staying plugged in. It's something I wrote about in my book that I feel it's so important, even after losing the weight, to still remain in those communities and stay plugged in and just keep in tune with people that are like-minded to yourself. I think that those Facebook communities are so incredibly important because I got the information about intermittent fasting from Jen Stevens and from um, Delay Don't Deny. And then more recently, Fast Feast Repeat. But in, in, in between, I plugged into those Facebook pages every day because that is what inspired me. It motivated me. I got support from people. I was in a group of like-minded people. And, and that's one of the most important things is when you're trying to establish any habit, you need to be in a group of like-minded people who will support those habits and have the same habits. So I got so much inspiration and support and I learned about diet brain, which I didn't know about before. I learned how to be aware of diet brain. I learned healthy thoughts to replace those unhealthy thoughts with. I learned about self-love. I learned about taking care of myself. I learned about all of these things through the Facebook groups. Yeah, and I think you can learn something off most of those people that are in those groups. And I know I have my favorites, as you probably do, and I wake up every day and I, I see JJ or John Jerry Saunders Jr., who I just had on the podcast, and he is amazing. He's been such a huge motivation and inspiration for me to see a guy that's 61 and has just looked after himself so much and transformed not only in body and mind and his whole philosophy around IF and obviously the guidance we do get from Jin and other people and leaders in the group 
And I think anybody that's looking to join a Facebook group, the Delay Don't Deny Facebook community is a great place to start. Absolutely. And I have felt yeah. like as I have lost weight and I, as I have just really felt like I have gotten my life back, Graham, I feel just compelled. You know, not only do I want to help other people, I have such a strong desire to help other people. I feel really compelled that I cannot keep this information to myself. I have to share this information. I have to encourage and support other people. I want to give back. I want to pay it forward. Everything that I received. So, I, you know, I'm now an administrator in the big group that has close to a half a million people. And, and uh, I'm not as active at moderating right this minute because I've got a lot of different things going on, but still involved in that, still involved in the pages and, and still involved in trying to help as many people as I can. Wow. Just tell us about your doctor's visits and the medical side of things, Paige, and your blood work and that type of thing. How's that gone for you? When I last year, when I when I first started this, I think I went to for my annual visit. Um, maybe maybe a couple of months, maybe two or three months into into intermittent fasting. And I was nervous, you know, because some doctors are not aware of it. And of course, if a doctor's not aware of something, they're not going to support it. And I was a little nervous, but my doctor's words were, oh, well, I've heard of that. I've, I've had patients have good success with that. And then that's all she said. Um, at that visit, I was down about 30 pounds from the year before. So she was pleased with that. Um, my numbers have, my, you know, all of my blood work and all of those numbers have just improved since then. And she is really excited. When I was on the cover of Woman's World magazine recently as part of Jen's story um, that they did on intermittent fasting and her book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, I took a copy of that to my doctor. I didn't get to see her, but I left it for her. I know she's really excited. Tell us about that, the Woman's World magazine. How did that all that transpire? On one of her groups, on the advanced group, Jen posted that a woman's magazine that we all know and love was doing an article on intermittent fasting and fast feast repeat. They were looking for success stories and they were they were pretty specific. They wanted someone who had lost at least 100 pounds and they wanted somebody who was 60 or over. Um, they wanted to see before and after pictures and they wanted to kind of know their their story. And Jen asked for, you know, everybody to send in that information and she would forward it and pass it on. And they selected me to be the focus of their story. Did you ever think in your life page that you would be a cover model? Oh my gosh, never in a zillion years. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, um, I'm 57. Okay. So when we talk about this year, uh, Paige, it's obviously been very tough for a lot of people. And we see a lot of people have been on the struggle bus, so to speak, through the pandemic. Have you got any words of wisdom about how to deal with that? You know what? I've heard people say, you know, take it one day at a time. And I always thought that was just kind of a, a phrase that people used. But, but I've really learned that if you, if you take that to heart and take it one day at a time, then that really kind of reduces stress when you're not looking at the big picture and you're not looking long term how long we're going to be dealing with all of the things that we're dealing with. 
um, I think that is really helpful. And then I think sometimes when we're trying to make decisions about our food choices, one of my favorite things to remember is it's what we do consistently, not what we do occasionally that determines our success. I really like that. And another one that I really like is make choices that support your goals. Yeah, I think that's important too, to sort of have a long-term plan. And sort of when you get towards your goal weight, and I know I did a 23 and one when I lost the weight over 15 months, I lost 130 pounds. And I thought, well, the biggest thing is going to be keeping it off. How am I going to do that? So I moved to a 22 and two Monday to Friday. And then I sort of moved to a 16 and eight on the weekends. And that enabled me to bring back a bit of my social life, which for me was the biggest downside of intermittent fasting. I was a very social person, Paige, and I found that quite difficult through those 15 months. So I had to withdraw a lot mm. from that. And, and do you, how do you find that you handle the social occasions now? And what advice have you got for people when they're trying to fast? Well, I think you have two choices. I think you can adjust your window to be able to eat what you want during that social event or social gathering. Or you can make the decision that you're going to continue to fast and you can enjoy a sparkling water or a coffee and really focus on on your friends or your family and that time together and not be focusing on what you're eating. And what are some of the things people can sort of work through if they are having problems with intermittent fasting? What are some of the main things for them to look at? I think that if you are not having the results that you want, the very first thing you need to do is to take a hard, close, honest look at what you're having during your fasting time. And sometimes things like flavored lip balm or um, putting some water in your tea thinking that's going to be okay. You know, I think that little things can slip in during our, our, our fast that break our fast. And I think that's a big thing. And then the other thing is, is take a hard look at what you're eating, what food choices you're making. And I think it's great to have a treat occasionally. I think we want to consistently choose good, whole, healthy foods, and then occasionally have a treat and enjoy it and feel no guilt. Sometimes those treats tend to get more and more and more often. And I think that that probably is, is, is going to be your next bet as far as taking a look at what's going on. And so, Paige, you referred to the surgery at the start of the podcast. Do you feel like with uh, obesity that doctors and surgeons should be now saying to people to try intermittent fasting first before surgery? Do you wish you'd known about intermittent fasting? Oh, I wish then? so much that I had known about intermittent fasting. And I look back to 2000, and I'm not sure how far along it was. I know intermittent fasting is not new, but I think that the support groups that Jen created are a really, really big piece for me of my success. And those things were not available at that time. I still wish that I would have just had intermittent fasting in those groups and I never would have had that surgery. That's just my personal opinion about it. 
And was the surgery something you did because you felt like your life was being threatened by carrying that? Oh, I couldn't. Around? I just could not live like that. It is to be to be so morbidly obese is so difficult in so many ways. It affects every single area of your life, and I just felt like I just could not live that way. And I had tried diet after diet and I had been sincere and I had tried hard and I tried my best and I never could make it work. I, I could only continue to gain weight. And at that point, that was the only option I saw. What I really wish is if a patient and a doctor decide that that surgery is what's needed and again, I still think intermittent fasting is what's needed always. But if that decision ever happens for somebody to have that surgery, I think that doctors um, need to work with those patients long term about changing mindset, changing uh, negative self-talk, all of those, you know, getting over diet brain, because those are the things that kept me from being successful. Yeah, I think it's going to be an absolute last resort, the surgery. And it's interesting, I had Sarah Cole from New Zealand uh, on the podcast page, and she's actually going to be airing about this time. And she works in a surgery in New Zealand where they treat obese patients and patients with diabetes too, and their frontline defense is intermittent fasting. That's amazing. And they will... Yeah, and they will not send people for surgery uh, unless they try intermittent fasting first. And I think it's a real turning point for it. And so do you ever see a point where intermittent fasting will become mainstream? Oh, I think it's already becoming mainstream, and that is so exciting. And as I, as I look through people's request to join the delay, don't deny intermittent fasting support group because you have to answer some questions to be able to join. And uh, one of those questions is what brings you to this page? Why are you here? Why, why do you want to do intermittent fasting? And I see more and more and more people say, my doctor told me to try this. And that is so thrilling. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And I think that's a great insight that you're getting there. And so, Paige, now that you've got the weight off and you've been in maintenance and you look amazing, I mean, for people that have seen your before and after pictures, they're simply breathtaking. How do you find that people treat you now to when you were obese? Any well, <laughs> for a while, I felt a little resentful because I felt like people just ignored me when I was obese. If they weren't hateful, you know, at best, I felt like, a lot of people just ignored me just about in society and in stores and you know you just get ignored and after i lost weight it seems like everybody was so friendly with me and at first graham i, I resented that but then i came to realize that i was not the same person either when i was really overweight i did not want any attention on me i was embarrassed i was humiliated and I didn't really seek to have conversations with people. And now I'm full of confidence. I feel like I'm back to being my true self, my true personality, much more in extroverted than I ever was before. Um, and I've changed. 
So I think it's, I think it's a mix. I think that people are more, you know, or I, I do still think people are a little more friendly to people who are not really obese, but I think that I'm very different too. And I'm more open and willing to have conversation and, and talk to people. Yeah, I think that's really great point. And I found that too, Paige, that I found it quite difficult um, when I got the weight off, how I was being treated compared to what I was when I was obese. And it was almost like you get beamed up to the Star Trek Enterprise and you get beamed back down again. And nobody looks at you, nobody comments about your weight. And like you say, you walk into a shop and people are friendly and everything changes. And I've, I actually resented that too. And it's an interesting point that you make but Paige, we also talked before the show about, tell us what you actually are going to do going forward. I believe you do a bit of coaching. Can you tell us a bit about I can. that? Um, you know, as part of my feeling uh, such a strong need and such a strong desire to help as many people as I can, you know, I've decided to start um, a business. Um, I currently am practicing as an intermittent fasting consultant and mentor. Um, I have a business called Fast Track Health and Wellness. I also started a Facebook page that's a free resource that's just providing information about intermittent fasting and inspiration and motivation and a few chuckles here and there. Um, just, just meant to be a free resource for people and that is called the Fasting Page. P-A-I-G-E, all capitalized. Um, I am in school currently to get my certification as a health coach because I have all of the pieces and the one piece that I, I really wanted to bolster and support was that nutrition piece. And I'm a student at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And one of their philosophies is bio-individuality, which Jen talks about in Fast, Feast, Repeat, and that there is no one way to eat that's correct for everybody. And so I'm really thrilled to be working on my health coach certification and to complete that program. And I'm, I'm just soaking in all of this knowledge and all of this information so that I will be able to help my clients with whatever way they want to eat and whatever way feels best and works best for their individual bodies. I think that's fantastic, Paige. And I, I think coaching and mentoring can be a real help to a lot of people out there. And some people really thrive in that environment. And sometimes the problem with when you do join groups and you ask a question and you get 30 different answers, it can be very confusing. And I know I'm the sort of person that actually thrives on that one-on-one -on -one coaching and help uh, in various aspects of my life. And I think you're a shining light uh, for this lifestyle. And anybody out there that's interested, I think Paige would be a good fit for you if you're looking for that sort of thing. But Paige, we're going to wrap it up now. If you could just give us a final words of motivation and some advice for anybody that's thinking about starting out there, that would be great. Well, when people ask my advice, and I, I have quite a, quite a few people ask me, you know, what would you tell somebody starting out? Or what are the most, just a couple of the most important things that you would say? I always say, absolutely, first and foremost, foundational is clean, fast every single day. 
no matter how long or no matter how short the fast is, you make sure that fast is squeaky clean. And of course you want to fast as long as you can, but you know, there's going to be an occasional day where you may just, for whatever reason, have a shorter fast. That's okay. Don't freak out about that. Just calm down and just live your life, clean fast, and practice patience. Consistency and patience are absolutely key. And if you do those three things, Graham, if you clean fast every single day, if you're patient, and if you're consistent enough to let time pass by, then you're going to see fabulous results. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice, Paige. And thanks. It's been such a great chat. And you're somebody that I admire greatly. And I think you have a really good handle on intermittent fasting. And I think that your coaching business is going to go places. And thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so highway. much. You've always inspired me and I've enjoyed our talk. Okay, thanks, Paige. Bye Catch bye. you later. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Paige. I really enjoyed that chat with you. I found it very uplifting and inspiring. And I think you're going to do very well with your intermittent fasting coaching career. And I wish you every success with your book you've just released this week too, which people can find more information out in the show notes there. So next week, I've got the very engaging and delightful Eddie D. Friedman coming onto the podcast, something I've been waiting for for a long time. I find Eddie very inspiring and very insightful into living this lifestyle and he offers some real gems and he also gives us a bit of history around the fasting lifestyle as well, which I found fascinating. Uh, just to give you some information too about my own book, The Fasting Highway, um, that will actually be released maybe in the next 7 to 10 days. Uh, we'll have an update there, we'll do a bonus episode of the podcast to let readers know what they might expect in that. So until then. Uh, enjoy the holidays, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.